else that the flood was coming they had never seen water before fear and what was they did like what are you doing what are you doing building a boat and what is rain what is that we don't know what that is then the rain started coming and crushing them pouring out on them I don't know what perspective that you're coming from this morning maybe you feel like crushed by the weight of the world this week but we're going to ask right now that God would open up the heavens and that he would pour out his blessing on us this morning. That he would open your heart and he would show you something amazing out of his word because he loves you. He wants to encourage you to keep going and stay faithful. Stay faithful. He's good. He is going to do something awesome. You've got to look. So just look to Jesus this morning as we ask him to open up the heavens. Feeling every part of our brain. 
He is here. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. 
send your Holy Spirit. I want to hear the power of your word. I want to feel the weight of glory fall. I want to know the one who overcomes. I want to see, want to be undone. Come, Holy Spirit, come, rushing like a flood. Heaven open, God. Come, never ending ways. And I am swept away. Holy Spirit, come. I want to hear the voice the storm opens. I want to feel your presence in this place. you're God and you are ever present but we ask you to come individually Lord to fill us to feel you tangibly this morning Lord we need you desperately Lord 
And I thank you that you promise us that where two or more are gathered, there you are in our midst. So you're welcome here this morning, God. Do what you need to do in our hearts. Help us to yield to you and to give you your rightful place as our sovereign king this morning, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen. Hey, before you sit down, why don't you turn, greet someone, find someone you don't know, and welcome to the house this morning. When you get a break, you can have a seat. Well, good morning, Harvest. It's so good to see everyone this morning. I like to just say welcome. Man, you all are a bunch of chatty Cathy's today. I'm telling you. That's all right. Some days I get up here and you guys are just like a tomb. So I'd rather y'all be uh, chatty Cathy's. And so it's just good to see everyone. Welcome everybody online. I just want to say thank you for joining us. And, and you know, um, I just want to say a special thank you for those joining online because I do know that we have some families, uh, because of health concerns, they, they don't get out um, right now. They have uh, compromised immune systems and they are, have not been in this church in over a year. And so, but they are faithful to be online every single week. And I want to say thank you to you all who are tuning in week after week. Um, because how many of you know, watching it online does get a little b- just boring. So um, thank you all for being online, but thank you guys for being here. And if you're a guest with us today, thank you for joining us. My name is Jim. I'm the senior pastor here at Harvest Wood Hall, and just like to welcome you. If you would, on the inside of our row, take out the Harvest Register, the little black folder. Uh, that is our way of just be able to connect with you as a church and put, on, put down on your information. If you've had anything change lately, email addresses, physical address, phone numbers, make those changes. That way, Christy can get those into our Uh, harvest register and make sure those changes are right Uh, but if you have any prayer requests fill that out Um, if you would want to be involved in any ministry or small groups all that's on there and uh, you can check off anything let us know and we can get you signed up we can get you plugged in and we'll be praying for you throughout the week hey just a couple messages or announcements coming up october 17th mark your calendar number one we're going to have a baptism that sunday if you have never been baptized uh, by immersion as a believer in Jesus Christ. So when you've come to know Christ as your Savior, if you've never been baptized, this is your opportunity. Um, We have baptism information out on the information counter. Pick up a baptism packet. In there, it has some just some information about baptism. Um, There's a place in there for you to write out your testimony, things like that. Get that back to me, all right? And so I just want to encourage you, if you've never been baptized, this is a great chance to do that. Take, Take advantage of this opportunity and get ready to do that on October 17th. And then also... Um, that evening, six o'clock here at the church, we are going to have our unveiling of all of our remodel. 
and um, all the hard work that we've done, um, giving financially, remodeling the back room. We're going to have a night of worship and eating, all right? And notice I put how I put that, worship and eating, not eating and then we'll, no, we're going to have a time of worship, all right? And um, we're going to come in and, and it's kind of like when Solomon dedicated the temple, he gathered everybody together and they worshiped God. Um, we, we have, this week they've started spraying the roof and getting it going. Hopefully this week they'll be done with it. Um, praying no leaks on that bad boy. Uh, the remodel is almost ready to, to, to be revealed. And I want that night to be a night where we come together as God's people and celebrate what God has done over these past five months. And, uh, and just uh, come and see what God has done. And so we're going to have a time of worship, and then we're going to go over, and uh, we're going to have a potluck. So the, the church is going to supply all the food, or not all the food, the, the meat and things like that. So bring a dish to pass, and um, just get ready for a great night. It's going to be a lot of fun. So October 17th, that night, 6 p.m. So at this time, ushers, why don't you get ready, and uh, let's get ready to take our uh, offering. This is a time that we continue to worship. Um, through our gifts of uh, our financial gifts. And if you haven't been able to give yet into the building fund, I know some of you said last week, we're still praying, still wanting to see what God wants us to give. Today and next Sunday will be done, all right? Um, just believing that God, you've provided everything. So next Sunday, we will be done with the giving of the building fund. So um, continue to pray. And if you want to give today, great. You can also have next Sunday. So let's pray and ask God's blessing as we give this morning. Father, we are so grateful that you gave your best gift to us. And that is uh, your son, Jesus. And uh, your word is very clear that you gave him for us. That so whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God, you give us life in Christ, and uh, it's not by our works, and Lord, it's nothing we do, but by your will, you brought us forth um, as a kind of a first fruit um, in all your creation. And so God, at this moment, um, we have the opportunity to give our first fruit, which is the giving of the first part of our finances. And uh, Lord, we want to be um, faithful to that and at, use this as an act of worship to say thank you. And we do praise you, Father, um, for this time. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.
sounded good today. It was a good choir today. I really love hearing your voices, even to the fact, I mean, you guys get to the point sometimes where you can really overpower even the worship team, and that is just good stuff. I really appreciate that. So, But hey, do me a favor. Grab a Bible, turn on a Bible, but get to the book of James today, James chapter 1. Um, if you are visiting with us, whether here or online or haven't been with us for a while, we have been studying through the book of James and we're working our way through it. And we are in James chapter one. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 21 today. You know, whenever you plant a seed into the ground, um, it could be planting flowers. It could be planting a garden. You know, farmers are now harvesting the seeds that they planted back in the spring. But whatever you do, you you plant a seed in the ground. I I don't think there's really anybody that goes, hey, you know what? I've got my seed in the ground. I'm good. I'm happy with that. I I don't expect anything. I'm I'm glad for that seed just to be in the ground. How many of you, we don't do that. You plant a seed with what? An expectation. If you've planted a garden, you're expecting to see something sprout up here in the springtime. I'm sure when farmers planted their fields, they were expecting to see soybeans and, and corn start to break through the soil. Whenever we plant a seed, we expect to see something. We expect that, that, that seed to break apart and that seed to change and transform and then burst through the soil and produce a flower or a bean or whatever we planted. We, we expect that. Well, here's the thing. Um, James, here now in verse 19, is starting to shift. For the first 18 verses, he has been um, talking about trials and the fact that all of us go through trials of various kinds all the time. And so James has been working through this, and over the past several weeks, we've been talking about that. You know, when trials do come into our lives, how do we approach those trials? How do we respond to trials? How do we keep our faith in God through those trials? And that's what we've been looking at. But now here in verse 19, James is now shifting his focus. He's changing course where he's going to go. He moves from trials to now being even more specific is about the word of God. 
And from here, this point in verse 19 of chapter 1, through the remainder of James, it's James talking about how you and I live as a believer of Christ. Okay? The reality is this. What James is going to show us is as a believer in Christ, a seed has been sown in your heart. When you come to know Christ, there is a seed that is working in you, all right? As we saw last week in verse 18, it says that we have been brought forth as a first fruit, meaning that, that bringing forth is the salvation, okay? That when, when you are saved, when you are born again, the way that happens is by the word of God. It says in verse 18, the word of truth, all right? And so James is starting to now show us that this word of truth is in us. And I want to read our text, and in, and in the text, it even shows us this. So if you would, look at verse 19. He says, know this, my beloved brothers, every person must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with, with meekness, here it is, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. The implanted word. The word of God is like a seed. Jesus talks about this in Mark chapter 4. He's, he's comparing how when a farmer sows seed, that's what the word is like when it's preached or when it's taught. It's like seed being sown. And just like when a farmer sows seed, it lands on different soils, Jesus compares the soil of a ground to like the soil of a heart. That when the word of God is sown, when you hear it, when it's being taught, when it's being preached, it's being sown on your heart. And your heart is like soil, that seed's being planted on it. And the idea is, is that that seed shouldn't just remain dormant in the, in the soil. It should do what? Produce something. Grow. Change. Boom. Cause something to be different in your life. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Peter talks about the fact that you and I are born again from an imperishable seed. And that imperishable seed is the word of God. You're born again, just as James says, you are brought forth by the word of truth. So when you hear the word of truth, when you hear God's word, it goes into you and it gets planted like a seed. And that seed is to produce something. And that's where James is going here. And so in our, in our text today, we're looking at when that seed is sown, when the seed gets into the soil of our heart, how do you and I, as a believer in Christ, respond to the word of God? And today I want to look at the fact that you and I need to receive the word of God. How, do you, how, are, how receptive are you toward God's word? And so the, the title of my message today is this, simply receptive to God's word. And today I want to look at five marks of a receptive heart. And let me pray before we jump into this. Lord, we thank you that your word is a seed. We thank you that it is living and active. We thank you, God, that this is just not a book of history. It's not just a book that we just read and, and just, it, it's done. It, it, it's not a novel. Lord God, this is the very word of God. We believe it, that you spoke it. And now, Lord, we 
need to respond to it. We need to receive it. And Lord, do only today what you can only do. God, I can't change these people. I can't change myself. Lord God, I pray today that you would open all of our hearts to be receptive to the word of God. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in the preaching of your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's look at five marks of a receptive heart. Here's the first mark. A receptive heart opens the ears. A receptive heart will open the ears. So James begins there in verse 19, and he says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Know this. He is about to say something, and when he says, I want you to know this, he's stressing the importance of what he's about to say. He's not just kind of just, hey, I'm just going to give you some advice, take it or leave it. No, he's like, know this. You've got to know this. And he's saying, and he's addressing, he says to beloved brothers, he's addressing Christians. He's writing, as we saw um, in the very beginning of of, of James, he's writing to the Christians, Jewish Christians that have been scattered um, across the land. So he's writing to believers. So just as he was writing to believers in his day, the word of truth, God's word now has been bridged for us today. So when he says, know this, not only was he talking to people in his time, but the word of God that transcends time is now talking to you and me. As a believer in Jesus Christ, act like James, not James Shannon, but James, the brother of Christ, is speaking to you. Know this. And he begins first and he says, let every person. Notice he doesn't say, those of you who are more spiritual than someone else. Or those of you who have been Christians for a number of years. No, he says, let every person. So if you are a believer in Christ for three days or 30 years... This is for you. Know this. As a believer in Christ, he says, be quick to hear. Be quick to hear. The new Revised Standard Version says, be quick to listen. Okay? And I think it's probably, that, that is probably even a better version. Because hearing isn't just hearing words. It's listening to them. It's not just letting something that you hear go in one ear and right out the other. It's letting it go in one ear and to the heart. Hearing what is being said. Now, uh, this hearing, you know, being quick to hear along with slow to speak and slow to anger um, have great everyday practical application. Would you all agree with me on that? Okay. Um, How many of you know just practically every day we need to be good listeners? All right. People are talking to us every day. The question is, are you truly listening to them? Because how many of you know um, you can hear but not listen? All right, you can hear them with one ear and it just goes out the next. And so, being a good listener is actually a great skill to develop because not all of us are good listeners, especially guys with our wives. Our wives are talking sometimes and we're like, What did she say? I'm in trouble because that didn't go well. And, and, and it's a good skill to develop. It's, it's a, it, it, Here's what good listening really does. It shows respect to the person who is speaking to me. Because what I'm saying is when I listen to you, when I truly hear you, I'm tuning into you. And you're important, and I want to hear what you have to say. Now, here's the thing. Um, Like I said, good, practical, everyday application. But that's not where James is talking about here. 
He's not talking about when you're in a conversation with your boss or with your wife or with your child. It's not really practical application that he's talking about here. He's talking specifically when you hear the word of God. Listen to it. Okay? That's where he's drilling down here. He's talking about the importance that when you and I hear the word of God, that we're truly listening to it. Jesus actually tells us this in a, in a few different places, the importance of really hearing the word. When, when Jesus talks about spiritual truths, he talks about the importance of hearing them. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, he says, He who has ears, let him hear. Not just these things sticking off the side of our head. But he's like, okay, if you have these things, understand hearing is not just these with these, but it's hearing that goes in, touches the mind, transforms the heart. It's hearing it, listening to the depth of what is being said. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, pay attention to what you hear. So he's like, when you hear spiritual truth, when you're hearing the word of God speak, pay attention to what is being said. Don't just be like, okay, yeah, been there, done that, heard that. No, pay attention to what is said. In Luke 8, 18, Jesus says, take care how you hear, okay? So it's almost like he, he keeps drilling down. He's like, he's like, if you have ears to hear, hear it, but pay attention to what you hear. And then he goes even another level, take care how you hear, all right? Jesus is like, get past the surface level and get to the deep end, Pay attention to what you hear. And so the Bible is stressing and it talks about the importance of hearing spiritual truth and truly hearing and listening to it. But notice he says, be quick to hear. That word quick actually means to listen with the idea of being eager to hear something or having an urgency to take advantage of hearing something. So he's, when he's talking about being quick to listen, and in the context of the word of God, he's saying, have an eagerness or an urgency to hear God's word, to get it in you, to truly listen to it, to truly hear it. Be eager for that. Be, be like, man, it, it's urgent that I hear this thing. And so we need to have that eagerness or that urgency to be quick to say, man, I, I need to read the word of God. I need to be in church to hear it preached. I, I should be in, a, in, in the Sunday school class to hear it taught. I need to be in a small group to, to communicate it with other believers. I need to have this, this urgency, this, this idea like I need to be quick about the word of God and get it and hear it and listen to it. But why? Why should we be receptive to this? Why should we be quick to hear the word of God? What's the big deal? Here's why. Um, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11 tells us that we can become dull in our hearing. That the word of God just kind of becomes like, eh, I don't need it anymore. You know, I've been a believer for so long. I've read through the Bible so many times. I've really, I've heard all the stories. I've heard that preached before. I don't need to hear that anymore. And we can become dull in our hearing. And so what we do is we show up for church. And instead of truly tuning in, we can become um, dull 
we just sit here? Or how about this? Um, when you're reading the Bible, how many of you, don't raise your hand. I don't want to put you on the mark. How many of you read your Bible quick just to get through it? You feel like, well, I got to read my Bible today. So you just read it quick to get through it. How many of you know reading it quick is not being quick to listen? It's two different things. Because you can be quick to read a chapter in the book of Matthew and go, got that done, did my little devotion, and now I'm on my way doing my stuff. And you heard nothing. Or you could read three verses and be quick to listen. And you hear everything. See, it's a big difference. Same with coming to church. If I don't have that urgency, that that real need for the word of God, guess what happens even Sunday mornings? I'll come if I feel like it, or I don't. It's not really that big of a deal because there's not an urgency to hear the word of God. We don't go to small groups. We don't go to a Sunday school class. We don't do these things because there's, I don't really need it. I know the Bible, but are you hearing the word? Are you truly listening to the word? And so when we come to church, you know, you can, we can sit here like this, head tilted to the one side, rolling my eyes, checking the watch. Man, come on, get over with. I'm ready to go to lunch. This is so boring. This is why I encourage you, take notes, okay? Be an active listener. Get your, whether it's, whether it's the, 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 the insert or a notebook or whatever, man, tune into what I'm saying. Be attentive. Be careful what you're hearing. Listen to what I'm hearing. Take notes. Jot down the other references of scripture. Go back and study them. Read them. Take notes. So that way you are in tune and you are paying attention and listening and hearing what is being said. You don't just have ears and letting it go in one ear and out the other, but you have ears to truly hear. And so take notes. Be an active participant here on Sunday morning. Now, I'm hoping at that time, some I would have been seeing people like, oh my gosh, get the notebook and start taking notes. Okay? I didn't say that just so I ran out of room in my notepad. I said that as an applicational point. Take notes. Be a listener. Be someone with a mark of receiving and and being receptive to the word of God. Open your ears. Here's the second mark of a receptive heart. A receptive heart controls the tongue. I heard some groans there. I'll just go to point number three. There's no need to preach that apparently. God just like, boom, that quick brought conviction. We control the, the tongue. Again, controlling the tongue, you know, like he says, be quick to hear, slow to speak. Great practical everyday application, right? I mean, we want to be quick to listen, but we also want to be slow to speak. But here's, a, I mean, I would say probably most of us have this problem. When someone's talking to us, guess what we're already doing in our head? Planning our response. We're thinking, well, this is what I want to say. We, or this is, you know, we're always, and we're not really paying attention. We're hearing them, but not paying attention. And this is why, how many of you have a problem with um, remembering people's names? Anybody? 
That's a hard one, isn't it? Do you know why a lot of times you're, you forget the person's name? Because you're already thinking about, well, this is what I want to say about me. I want this person to know about me. We're not listening to what this person has to say about them. And so they say, hey, my name is Barb. And you're walking in. Julie, was that her name? What was her name? But man, I got to tell her everything about me. You see, we weren't listening because we were wanting to be what? Fast to speak. And so again, great practical application for every day. But that's not where James is going. All right. When he's talking about being slow to speak, he's talking about being slow to speak in response to what you hear from the word of God. So a couple of practical applications for this is this. When you and I read the Bible, how many of you know you can have an internal argument with God? Okay, because when you read the Bible, do you understand? Okay, if you truly believe the Bible to be, to be the word of God, the actual word of God, and you believe that God spoke these words, so when you read the Bible, you have to believe that this is the word of God and that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to me through it. So there are times, that, how many of you know there are times when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and it feels good? Okay, you're reading about the love of God, the mercy of God, the compassion of God, the faithfulness of God, the forgiveness of God. And those are great truths to hear. And the Holy Spirit reminds you about those things. And, and you walk away from your Bible study feeling like, like encouraged. But how many of you know there are times where the Holy Spirit just cuts through the chase and gets to the meat and the, just the hard stuff sometimes? And in those moments, how many of you know you can have that internal conversation with God? God is trying to speak to you, but you're saying, but God... I don't like what's being said. I disagree with that. I don't want to hear that. I'm going to, I'm going to skip that page and go to something I like. And we can have an argument with God. Why? We don't want to be quick to listen to the Holy Spirit. I want to be quick to speak to argue my point, to argue why I don't want to listen to this or hear it or take it. And we can have that internal conversation with God. And it turns out instead of God speaking, I'm doing the one all the speaking. But also, that can take place with preaching. You know, in the context of James chapter 1 here, when the early church was started, it was church services weren't like ours. They were more very informal. So what would happen is people, and this is why James is actually saying this, he's, he's warning these people like, hey, when you're gathered together, shut up. Because what was going on was there would be people, the speaker would be speaking, and people would just start debating him. I couldn't imagine what that would be like. I'm trying to make a point, and some of you are like, hey, time out. I got a bone to pick with that. And then we start debating. James is saying, don't do that. Be quick to listen. Ponder what is being said. Hear it. Let it resonate. Let it sink deep. And then say something if you have to. See, a lot of times... When we hear, whether it's preaching, teaching, whatever it is, and we don't like it, we want to argue against it. We don't want to ponder it. We don't want to be quick to listen. We want to be quick to speak because I disagree with that. I don't like that. I don't want to hear that. Don't tell me that. And what we do is we argue what is being said. You see, when James is talking about this, here's the thing. He is not dissuading us from having good conversations. He's not saying you can't disagree with what's being said. 
He's not saying that you can't ask hard questions. He's not saying any of that. What he's saying is when the word of God is being preached, when it's being taught, you need to slow down. You need to hear what's being said first instead of making a judgment. You need to hear and let it seek in instead of just like shooting off at the mouth and, and voicing your disagreement. You see, I believe where James is going here, he's talking to the person who just wants to be right. He's talking to the person who doesn't like the conviction of the word of God. He, he, they, they don't want to hear this is what you should be doing or not be doing. It's the person that just wants to always let their voice be heard. They, it's the person that just wants to always be talking. It's the person that never wants to listen to someone else, but let everybody else know, here's my viewpoint. That person gets themselves in trouble because they can't listen. And they always want to argue. They always want to say, hey, I'm the one who's right. And they're always looking for an excuse as to why the Bible doesn't need to apply to them. We need to be a person who listens, open our ears. And we need to be a person that controls the tongue. I like what um, 1 Samuel chapter 3 says. When Samuel, the prophet Samuel, was a small boy, he was living with this guy by the name of Eli. And when God began to speak to Samuel, he heard the audible voice of God. And he would go to Eli, and he's like, dude, I heard this voice last night, and it could have been God, not sure. And Eli's like, he gives him some very practical advice. He's like, Samuel, if you hear that voice again, here's what you say. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Shouldn't that be us? Speak, Lord, for I'm listening. My mouth's going to be quiet, and I'm going to listen to you. You see, that's what it means. We need to have our ears open and our mouths shut at times. Here's the fourth mark. I mean, sorry, a third mark. A receptive heart controls the emotions. A receptive heart controls the emotions. So let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Again, practically every day, great application. How many of you know anger does nothing for us? Okay. Um, Anger, when we can't control it, 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 it harms relationships. It harms my marriage. It harms my relationship with my kids. It harms relationships at work. It harms just, it, it, it brings destruction, all right? It, 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 it just brings pain when I can't control my anger and I'm, I'm saying things and doing things out of anger, I'm going to reap the percussions. I'm, it's, it's coming back on me and I'm going to hurt people and I'm going to, I'm going to be breaking. It, it, it's a bad place to be. But again, James is not talking about just everyday anger, anger in my relationships. He's talking about not being angry about what God's word says. How many of you know people get angry at God's word? And here's why. You see, people get angry and rebel against and can really just explode at the word of God because 
the word of God reveals who we truly are. It reveals the sin in our life. And, and people who don't want to hear that, they don't want to truly know who they are. They don't want to truly know that what's, what's inside of them. They don't want to be told that things in their life is sinful. People don't want to hear that, and they will respond very negatively toward that. They will respond in, in rebelling against that, and they will respond very angrily toward that. And they will, they will voice their anger because they don't want to hear it because the word of God does something in us. You know, the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12 through 13 says this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. You see, before God, before his word, you are naked before it. You're not hiding anything. And that's why the Holy Spirit, when you start reading the word of God, that word of God through the Holy Spirit is a living thing. And, and it goes in us, and it's sharper than a double-edged sword because it's going to cut. You see, in the book of Acts, in the Acts chapter 2, verse 37, after Peter had finished his preaching, he preached his very first sermon, and at the very end of it, it says that the people's hearts were cut. It, it, it pierced them. The word of God is the light in the darkness. The word of God illuminates the darkness in our own hearts. The word of God illuminates things in your heart that you may not know is there. But it also will illuminate things in your heart that you don't want to be revealed. You see, and that's why people can get so angry and upset when the word of God is bringing conviction. When the word of God is truly penetrating, when the word of God is doing what it's supposed to do, people will resist it and rebel against it and, and be angry toward it. I can tell you over the past 20 years, I have seen this happen a lot um, with me. I have had people get mad at what I have said and angry and have, have treated me with disrespect, have treated me poorly because of something I have said. And the thing is, it's only because of what I've preached. I remember one time we had uh, a, a couple from another town come and visit, and they visited a couple times, and I preached a message on suffering. How many of you know I've preached that topic a few different times? Okay? And I showed biblically how God does allow suffering into our life. Well, the, the friends that invited this couple... Um, I was talking to him in the church, and he goes, oh, by the way, they're not going to come back to church anymore. I'm like, why? They're like, man, they got mad when you said that God allows suffering. I go, what did I say? He's like, they just, they think you're completely wrong, that, that suffering is not part of God. And I'm like, but I showed biblically, and they're like, man, they got mad. I'm like, I can't help that. I just show biblically what the Bible says, and people will get mad. Take last year. I preached a message on Romans 13. Everyone is to be subject to governing authorities. Right out of the Bible. 
and the number of people, people who no longer attend this church, vehemently mad at me. How dare you preach a message like that? What am I supposed to do? Hey, everybody open your Bibles to Romans 13 and do this. And throw it out. Because that doesn't apply to us today. It still applies to us. But people got so mad because I would preach a message like that from Romans 13. You see, the Bible makes people mad. The Bible and Jesus, the Bible and the name of Jesus can get people just undone because we don't want to hear those things. It is truth. And when we preach truth, when we teach truth, and there are people whose hearts are hard, people who don't want to see their inner, inner self revealed, they will respond angrily. And here's why James tells us not to allow anger to, to become something that is so destructive. And he says this, so he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for, here's the reason why you need to be slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay, you notice, he, man and God, your anger does not do what God wants. And he's like, um, when we get mad, when we get angry, we're throwing the righteousness of God out the window. Because it's not producing the righteousness of God. When I am angry, when I am mad at what the Bible is saying, and I reveal that anger, I show that anger, I express that anger, guess what it's not showing? It's not showing Christ in me. It's not expressing Christ at all. Christ's likeness is no longer on the table. I'm not declaring and showing the glory of God in my life. The righteousness of God is not being on display. But what is? My flesh completely. I'm angry at what you've said. I don't like what you said. I hate what the word of God just said there. I disagree with it. I don't. And we get mad. And it is not revealing the righteousness of God. You see, here's the thing. My anger, and I think there's a connection between my anger and my tongue. I think they're chained together. Because think about it. Um, what's usually the first thing that responds when you get angry? The mouth. Because when you get angry at someone, when you hear something, man, tell me, how easy it is it just to start spewing junk out of the mouth? You, I mean, don't, don't raise your hand. But do you ever get angry enough at someone to cuss them out? Why is that? Because you're so angry, the spew can just overflow. It's like a volcano that erupts. Anger produces that in us. And so anger and our speech, I believe, go hand in hand. And the thing is, when my anger gets to a point where my speech overflows, guess what it's really revealing about you? The condition of your heart. Because Jesus says, from the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. And so if anger is the trigger, guess what's coming out of the barrel? Every nasty thing you can spew. And it will, 
Anger just simply triggers what's really in the heart, in the heart and it overflows. In fact, if you look at James chapter 1 there, verse 26, he says, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is what? Say, say it like you really mean it. Worthless. He's not saying, well, it just kind of stains things. No, he's like, your religion is worthless. Why? Because you're displaying to everybody when I'm angry, especially about the word of God. If you're angry, what, like some of you, if you're walking out of here angry about what I've said and preached, something's wrong with your heart. Something's wrong with your religion because you're angry at the word of God. When people get mad at me, Sure, they want to shoot the messenger, but guess what they're really angry at? The word of God. They're angry at what God is trying to tell them, and they don't want to hear it. A lot of times, let me ask you, do you ever want to cherry pick God's word? Cherry picking's easy. I like the stuff that's easy. But man, you get to stuff like subjecting yourself to government authority. No, 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 no. Not for me today. You see, when I get angry and my mouth starts to spew, oh, and can I tell you, um, it just doesn't have to be verbal. Your spewage on Facebook is the same because it's coming from your heart, all right? And if I can spew on Facebook my anger about government authorities, if I can spew my about school officials, if I can spew my anger about church decisions, if I'm spewing my anger about things on Facebook, my religion is worthless because it's telling unbelievers, this is who I really am. And it becomes worthless because an unbeliever looks at a Christian and says, if you get that mad about the Bible, shoot, I don't want it. Be slow to anger. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Because your anger does not produce the righteousness of God. So five marks of a receptive heart. You open your ears, you control your tongue, you control the emotions. Here's the fourth one. A receptive heart deals with sin. This is a fun one too. We deal with sin. James says there in verse 21, therefore, Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. A receptive heart, when the word of God has is, is been planted in me and that, that, that seed is in my heart, in the soil of my heart, the word of God is going to bring conviction about sin in my life. Okay, it's going to show areas that, man, you shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be talking like that. Or you shouldn't be acting that way. You shouldn't treat that person like that. It's going to reveal sin in my life. So the idea is when he says, um, get rid of this, when he says, put it away, he's actually talking about this idea of laying it aside. Okay, it's the same way that Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, the idea of laying the sin and the weight that so easily entangles us. You know, it's kind of like this. I'm going to take Paul's purse as an illustration. Let's say this is just, I don't even know if I can get it on my, she's so dainty. So the idea is that every day you and I are carrying around sin. And it so easily entangles us. 
But the idea is that, the whole, that when you read the word of God, when you hear the word of God, when you're taught the word of God, the word of God through the Holy Spirit is going to convict you about this stuff. And the idea is, as James says, um, put it off, lay it aside, that when I'm convicted about it, I see the sin and I get serious about it. And I go, you know what? I don't want it. And I lay it aside. I put it off. Now, does that mean you're going to be perfect? Absolutely not. But the idea of, of, taking, of, of taking my sin, seeing my sin, is this. You know what? It's not that heavy. It's not that burdensome. Sure, I'm a little entangled in it, but it's not that big of a deal. I can walk around with this thing. I can carry it. It's all right. That's not laying it aside. That's not dealing with it. The idea is that I'm dealing with it. I'm, I'm putting it off. When it comes into my life, I'm dealing with it. Meaning, God, forgive me of my sin. I'm confessing my sin. I, I, I recognize it. I identify it. I'm not just making excuses for it. Well, you know, it's because of my upbringing. My dad yelled at me all the time, so that's why I yell and get mad at everybody all the time. I just can't help it. And we can use excuses as to why we shouldn't have to deal with our sin. But the problem is, excuses don't take away. God's not looking at you going, oh, I get it. Don't worry about that sin then. No, it's still sin. You see, sin hurts my relationship with God. Unconfessed sin keeps my heart receptive from God. My sin, when I'm not dealing with it, when I'm not confessing with it, confessing it, when I'm not wrestling with it. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, it talks about our struggle with sin. Do you ever feel like you're wrestling with your sin? Or do you just not care about it? If you're wrestling with your sin, it's like when, when you know, you lust after something or you covet after something. You, 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 you have that greed. You, you get that anger explosion. The wrestling is, is this. God, I hate this thing. God, I hate the fact that I grieve the Holy Spirit every time I do this. Every time I respond to someone like that, I grieve you. And God, I'm sorry. I don't want this. And I pray, Holy Spirit, give me the strength to say no to the ungodliness in my life. Give me the strength to say, I don't want this. And every day, you're wrestling with it. And every day, when, it, when you fail, you're quick to repent and turn and say, God, forgive me. If I'm not turning, if I'm not repenting, if I'm not wrestling and struggling and wanting to get out of it, if I'm just carrying it like it's a backpack and think it's no big deal, it's a problem. We need to recognize our sin. We need to put it off. We need to deal with the flesh, deal with the sin. It doesn't mean you're perfect. None of us are perfect on this side of heaven. We're all going to continue to struggle with our sinfulness, with the flesh. It's going to be there. But the idea is, I am not using my flesh as an excuse to sin. I'm not, I'm not just making excuses. I'm not saying it's not that big of a deal. No, I wrestle with it. I struggle with it. I'm put, putting it off and trying to walk in a way that brings glory and praise to Christ. And then lastly, the fifth mark. A receptive heart welcomes the word. It welcomes 
the word. And there at the end of verse 21, he says, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. That word receive means to welcome. It, it, it means I'm not, when I'm hearing the word of God preached, when I'm, he- when I'm reading the word of God, when I'm being taught the word of God, when I'm talking with it with other believers and, and it, it comes to me, I'm not resisting it. No matter how much I dislike what it's saying, no matter how much it's bringing conviction, no matter how heavy it is, I'm not going to resist it. I'm not going re- to buff it. I'm going to say, welcome. Here it is. I'm going to receive that today. You know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, hey, receive, I got a word for you. Receive it. It's like some kind of divine window God just opened up. Hey, can I tell you, um, the hard stuff has also got to be received, all right? You, it, it's welcoming it into my life going, okay, God, um, I, I, I welcome what you have to say to me today. I receive it. And notice he says, you receive um, the implanted word uh, with meekness. Some of you may have a version that says with humility, okay? So um, the idea of receiving the implanted word or the word of God with meekness or humility is this. I have a teachable spirit. And I acknowledge the authority of God's word. And here's the key word, submit myself to it. That is receiving the word of God with meekness, with humility. I humble myself to realize um, I don't have all the answers. I don't, I, I don't know it all. So I, I need to put myself under what God has said, submit myself to the authority of God's word, receive it with humility. And I'm going to be teachable on this. Can I tell you, I truly believe that is a mark of real um, spiritual maturity. Real spiritual maturity is not how long you've been a Christian. Real real spiritual maturity is not even how much you know about the Bible or how many verses you've memorized. Here's real spiritual maturity. You have a teachable spirit. Because can I tell you, I've known people and, and there are plenty of people who can cite all kinds of verses. They, they seem to know everything about the Bible. They seem to be very intelligent. And here's the thing, though. Um, they're unteachable. They are prideful, arrogant, and no humility in them because they think, I know the answer. I don't need to be taught by anyone. I've read the Bible. I know the Bible, so I'm going to teach you what I know. Don't be teaching me. It's unteachable. They're not receiving the word of God with meekness and humility. And that is a sign of very immature believer. It's about being humble to say, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. And I need to humble myself and let the word of God teach me and let other people teach me. And James tells us why we need to receive the word of God with meekness or with humility. And it's this, it is able to save your soul. The word of God is able to save your soul. First, um, if you're here today and you have never accepted Christ as your savior, the word of God is the only thing that can save you. And humility has got to be step one. 
Because here's why. The one sin that cannot be forgiven is pride. Because a prideful person says, I don't need to be forgiven. A prideful person says, I don't have anything wrong with me. A prideful person says, I can do it in myself. A prideful person says, you know what? I'll impress God. And a prideful person will go to their death in their sin because they never come to the place where they can humble themselves to say, you know what? I need to hear and listen to the word of God. And you see, the word of God tells us that we are all sinners. The Bible makes it very clear that because of your sin, you are separated from God for all eternity. And the Bible makes it very clear that there is nothing you can do to earn your way to God. You can't be good enough. You can't be kind enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't give enough to charity. You can't work your way to God. And so when I humble myself, I hear that. And I acknowledge and I, I, I receive that. And I go, I'm a sinner. I've, I've disobeyed God. I, 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 I've, I've lived for self. And if I'm a sinner, that means I'm separated from God with no hope. And then the Bible also tells us that the only way you can be saved is by faith in Jesus Christ, is accepting the fact that he died on a cross for your sin. He became the punishment and the sacrifice to make you right with God. But the only way you get to God is through Christ. And that is through faith in Christ. And so in humility... And meekness, I receive the word of God. And as an unbeliever, I go, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. Jesus died for me. I need a savior. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, come into my life and save me. Because I know I can't get there. You see, that is how humbling yourself to the word of God will save you. But what if you're already saved? You're sitting here going, well, Jim, I'm already a believer. How does this still save me? Here it is. How about it, it, when it talks about hum, the, um, hum, um, receiving the word of God with meekness or humility, the idea is as a believer, it saves my soul for everyday practical application. Every day, the word of God is going to work in me. Because even as a believer, the idea is that the word of God is changing me, transforming me. It's showing my sin. It's showing my shortcomings. It's showing where I'm failing. And when I listen to it, when I humble myself and I receive the word of God, when it is convicting me, guess what I'm doing? I'm stepping into that. And I'm like, man, I've been blowing it. God, forgive me. And I start working in that. I receive the word of God as God's wisdom and knowledge and understand it's going to guide me. It is a light onto my path. It is a light that's going to show me which direction I should go. It's going to help me make wise choices in life. When I start to read God's word and I start to see, wow, here's how I make good financial choices. Here's how I make good relationship choices. Here's how I make good dating choices. All of a sudden, I humble myself as a believer and go, I'm going to do it that way. You see, that's how the word of God saves us throughout our entire life until Jesus takes us home. It is coming to the place where I humble myself and with meekness, I receive the word of God. So let me close with this question. Do you have a receptive heart towards God's word? How did you do with this message? Did you receive it today and go, man, that's what I need to hear? Or are you angry right now? And you're like, man, I don't want to hear that. Hey, do you remember back in the very first message that I taught? 
and I was comparing how the book of James is going to be like roofing. Do you remember one of the things, the, very, the, the first thing I said, how James in the book of, how the book of James and roofing is alike? Do you remember what I said? Well, Paula remembers, but anybody else? It's going to be hard. Roofing's hard. I don't care how you paint it, it's hard. Um, anybody think that now, starting with verse, verse 19, I mean, well, verse 2 is hard. The rest of what we're going to hear in the book of James is going to be hard. But it will transform your life. It's going to be hard to hear. Because we're going to talk more about the tongue. We're going to talk more about being a, next week, being a doer of God's word. I just like to read it, Jim. Do I really need to do it? Mm, it's going to be hard. <laughs> but the question is, do you have a receptive heart? If you struggled in any of those five areas, go home this week and begin to pray. God, help me to listen to your word more. Help me to truly tune in. God, help me to be slow to speak. Help me not to be angry. Man, work through these and come to that place where you can say, I have a receptive heart. Amen? Let's all stand and let's get ready to close. If you would, just bow your head with me. Close your eyes. Just take this time where you and God are just reflecting on what I've said, what the word of God has said. You know, and maybe you're here today and I, I, I just showed you that even as an unbeliever, you've got to come to that place where you, you humble yourself and recognize that um, apart from Christ, you, you are spiritually bankrupt. That you are a sinner Christ died to save you, and it's only through faith in him that you can be saved. Not in what you do, not in your works, nothing that you do, but in just humbling yourself at the truth of what God's word says and come to that place where you say, Jesus, I need you as my savior. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal savior, I would encourage you after the service, I'm gonna be out in the foyer. Come up and talk to me. Just you can just tell me, Jim, tell me more about this Jesus because I don't think I'm saved. And I would love to share more with you. For the rest of you, I want to encourage you. You know what? Maybe this, this message really pounded on your toes today. Don't let it defeat you. Don't let the enemy break you apart. Gain strength from this and say, you know what? I'm going to humble myself and receive the word of God and let it do its work in me. So, Father, I thank you for just the truth of your word. And, Lord God, I pray that as we all go from this place, Lord, we're all going to different towns. We're all going to different homes. We're going to be going to different jobs tomorrow. We're going back into stressful situations. God, help us to use your word as that light in every avenue, in every crevice, every decision we make. Lord, good decisions, bad decisions, let the word of God be that, that sword and let us receive it with meekness this week. And God, I pray that you would just challenge us to grow that seed that's in us, that word of God, that implanted word. Bring us back next week ready for another tough message. It's going to be hard, but God, I know you can carry us through. 
Lord, even in those hard messages and that convicting message, it has one purpose. It is to reveal your love for us because, God, you don't want us. You love us right where we're at, but you don't want us to stay there. You want us to change and transform to be more like Christ. So, God, help us through these messages and we could become more like Christ for your glory. We pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Ah. Uh-huh. 